Good morning. I'm Christy Nolan. Please stand if you're able for today's reading of Scripture. It's going to be two parts in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5, and then 9 through 12. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. So I'm kind of tired this morning. Nine o'clock, I just got right up, stepped right on Christy, she, and she just politely let me go on. And uh, so I, they missed the reading of scripture. So you guys are so happy you're at 11. Because um, I just kept talking and they had no idea what I was talking about. Um, so what we're doing is we're in this series and we're, we're basically asking the question, what's the church? I mean. Um, we've got a lot of ideas about what the church is, um, but we're saying, what does God say about the church? And so the church we're finding out is not a building, it's, it's a people. It's about relationship. It's about um, our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And he says, if you are a follower of me, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are now part of this group um, and in the, in the New Testament, it's, the Greek word is ekklesia, and it means gathering. I'm, I'm putting you together into a family, and um, ekklesia is uh, literally, I mean, that's the word for church. And uh, so who are we? Now, we've been looking at a lot of things, and so if you want to learn about that, we want, you know, go back and, and uh, go online, and you can look at previous messages, because they're kind of building on each other. But... Um, our, our heart, in my heart, is, uh, God, I want to see you like you see me. I, I, I want to I see myself in, in, in who I am according to who you say I am. And so we got all kinds of ideas about what church is, a lot of like man-made examples. And is that legit? Is that, is that what you're intending us to be? And so um, that's what we've been doing. And today I thought, you know, there's one thing that we say around this place a lot over the years, and it's just a, a nice, easy phrase. And it says, at Rolling Hills, every member is a minister. And um, so I thought today, let's challenge that. Is that true? Because first of all, there's two big parts there, member, minister. And um, is membership legit? I mean, being a church member 
Is that even a thing anymore? I mean, is that a, is that a man-made idea that is you know, from years gone by and not something for us today because we don't need to embrace it because not, that's not God's expectation of it, us? I mean, is it legit? And then is a minister, um, you know, is, is my life valuable to God? And, or is it only valuable to God if I'm in a professional ministry? Or am I a minister with just my life? Or, or does God like Bill more than me because he's a pastor? Um, so we're gonna kind of look at those questions and, and, and tackle them. And uh, so the first one, is church membership biblical? It is, um, so here, here's the confession, and I want, just wanna be honest, there's no place in the Bible where you're gonna find a verse that says, um, thus saith the Lord, Join a local church. Um, be a member. Get on the rolls. Make sure you're on the database. You know, um, there's no verse that says that. So is this just a man-made idea? You know, with some people who are used to controlling people, and they say, "Yes, we want you um, to be part of our group, and we'll tell you what to do." I mean, is in. Really, there's lots of questions. So is it legit? And I would say most people today would say, no, it's not. And so where does this idea come from? Is it coming from the Bible? So um, I want to suggest to you that it is, all right? And I want to give you two primary arguments for where I, I think we get this idea from and that it's not our idea. It's actually God's perspective of us, okay? So um, so here's my first argument. It's It's... In the New Testament, God gives us a, um, an idea of church leadership and how we're to function together, okay? I, I, and so, um, I, and I think this speaks to the question, do we belong? Are we to, be, to belong to a church? And so, Hebrews 13, 17, and see if this, if you track with this, says, obey your leaders and submit to them. You know, and just even saying that, kind of gives me the creeps. Um, we have seen a lot of abuse. And so obey your leaders and submit to them. And we just don't trust anybody these days. And so it's like reading that, you think, oh, I am making myself vulnerable in a way that is not safe. And uh, so I want you to know, I, I get that. And as I read that this week, I just, I kind of started sweating. You know, it's like, I don't want to talk about this, but here it is, and it's like, well, we need to talk about it. So, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep, they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, so I'm a pastor of this church. And so when it says that I'm to watch over your souls, that God's given me responsibilities in which he says I will give an account. So I'm accountable to God. And um, who's he talking about? It's like, am am I accountable to God because I'm a pastor for every follower of Jesus in the world? Am I going to give an account to God for how I led and shepherded and encouraged every follower of Jesus in the world? And the answer is no. Um, Because 
This is being written to uh, individual churches. And it's saying, in your individual local faith families, um, you have spiritual leaders who you helped you know, pick. And we've done that just recently. I said, okay, give me, give me some ideas about people in the faith family, faith family that you respect because they are being transformed into a follower of Jesus that's really influencing other people. And so then you look at um, Timothy and Titus and the places where um, God says, here's the qualifications, the character qualifications of leaders of our church. And so we say, okay, these people are servant leaders who um, are following Jesus and people are, and people are drawn to them. And so um, those leaders, those pastors, those elders that we um, use that term, uh, those are the people that help us as a faith family align to him and go after his work and know him and protect us from things that are wrong, that are like, okay, that's a lie. Watch out for this lie. And this isn't true of God, this isn't true of you. And because look what it says. So leaders have responsibility for a local faith family, and then if we're to obey our leaders and submit to them, uh, does that mean you're responsible to obey and submit to every pastor in the world? It's like, no, again, it's talking about your faith family. In your faith family, God has established a structure for us to thrive together and protect um, our relationship with one another and protect our relationship with God and to go after um, sharing his hope in our community with the opportunity he's given us. And so we're together in that. And so um, it's localized. It's your faith family, okay? So then it says that, that they're to give an account. And this is like a sobering thing. So if you are in ministry and you ever get in a leadership position, um, it is it, no way in the world you should be thinking, all right, I got some power. Sweet. I can get drunk on this power. I mean, you know, I, I, I just kind of liken the idea of having authority. It's like, no, it, it, you should be sobered by the fact. Because um, you're accountable to God in your influence of other people. Now think about this. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was thinking about what lied ahead of him as he was arrested. Before, right before he was arrested, he was praying. And it says that um, he was in such agony in anticipation, the, anticipating the sacrifice that he was going to make and the pain that he was going to go through that he actually sweat um, and there was blood in his sweat. And that, that's a real condition that can be brought on by uh, just a great emotional weight and psychological weight on you to where there's such a burden that it physiological has that to where you, your little um, corpuscles, you start to break and you sweat blood. And that was anticipating. And then all of a sudden he was arrested and then he was mocked and then he was beaten. And then he went to the cross and was nailed to a cross and died. Why? Because you are that precious to him. 
He willingly went so that you could be forgiven and reunited with your maker who you were created to have a relationship with. And then he says that he rose from the dead, he walked around and, and met with people for 40 days, thousands of people saw him, then he rose to heaven to be at the right hand of God the Father, and he said, okay, now here's our plan, is our followers, we're gonna put you into these, these faith families, and we're gonna trust these faith families into the hands of spiritual leaders who are gonna shepherd you. And so, Spiritual leadership in a faith family is sobering. Because how precious is that faith family to God? And now God's saying, take care of my family. Encourage them, love them, lead them as a servant, sacrificially. And I'm gonna hold you accountable for it. That, that's what it's talking about here. And so it, it is um, an extremely precious opportunity. But it's one in which God says, I, this, is, this is what I'm making you into. This is my di- desire for you. And so there's an assumption there that we are, we belong to each other. Second argument has to do with what we talked about the last, last week, and that is accountability. Um, the argument of accountability as given in the New Testament. Um, and let me just summarize last week for you. Uh, we're responsible to keep each other accountable to God because we are a faith family, and we're a faith family because we say we are choosing to follow Jesus. And so, you know, we're not doing that perfectly. We, we have issues, we're messed up, but I wanna know God more and I wanna follow him. And so wherever you're at in that journey, if that's your desire, man, let's go for this together. So now if you're going off the rails and you're doing something that's obviously is not God's best for you, and I think I see it happening, I have a responsibility to go to you and say, hey, um, I love you enough to, to just let you know this is what I'm seeing. Is, am I right? And what I'm doing is I'm going to you privately. I'm, I'm not going to everybody else. I'm not going to social media and say, hey, this is what I saw. Is everybody else seeing this? You know, I'm, I'm protecting your character because I love you and I want the best for you and I want you, I want you to be restored to God. And I think I'm seeing something where you're walking away from him. And so I do that privately. And then if, if you say, uh, yeah, it may be true, but I don't care, and uh, I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. Well, then the Bible says I, I go and I get one or two people who know you, who love you, who see the same things I'm seeing, and we come to you again. And we say, no, seriously, um, come back. You know, and, and if at that point you say, you know what, I'm, I'm straight arming you, I don't care, I think God is okay. I know what you know, the Bible says, but, you know, just I have peace in my heart that this is the right way to go and God's okay with me. And so at that point, we're just kind of lying to ourselves and say, I want to justify my behavior. And so I, somehow I'm going to make God happy with me so I can keep doing what I want to do. 
And at that point, after a couple people have come to you and, and uh, with the whole purpose of restoring you to, in your relationship with God, which was what you're created for, it's best for you, um, then it says, hey, go, go to leadership at the church and, uh, and have them go with you. And the whole time is to restore. It's not punitive. It's not, hey, I want to dump guilt on you and make you so miserable that you'll finally, you know, knuckle lender and you'll, uh, you'll say you're sorry. No, it's like, hey, this is God's best for you. I want God's best for you. You're going on a path where you're buying into a lie. And um, I, I can't let you just go there without me talking to you about it. And then it says... If they're still saying, forget about it, then it says, let them know that they're acting like somebody who's not following Jesus. And God takes that seriously. And so um, let them know they can't be part of your fellowship anymore. And we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we looked at Matthew 18, and it says, after going through that process, then you take the final step of trying to restore them and letting them know that this is serious, so serious that God's telling us, ultimately, um, we hope you wake up to this is not good for you, but it's also not good for the church. It's not good for you to be in the family of God, proclaiming that you're a follower of God, and then blatantly rebelling against him and not being called on it. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2 says, um, are you arrogant? It's talking about the church who's not addressing unrepentant sin. I mean, we're all sinners. We're all in process. Um, but if you're desiring to grow, I mean, that's everybody in this room that's calling themselves a follower of Jesus. If you're saying you're desiring to grow, but you're rebelling against what obviously God has declared his best for you, then that's when we step into each other's lives. Okay? And he's saying, ultimately, um, that person... In, in verse two, let him who has done this be removed from among you. And this is to protect the family of God, but also help them realize it's serious. It's serious. We, we, we want the best from you. And on this path, you're going to do something destructive to you. You're, you're doing something destructive to you. And we can't let you influence other people in that same path. All right. So that's the idea. So then the question is about membership is... How can you be asked to leave something you were never in? How can you say you're now out without ever being in? And so there's assumption here that you belong to a faith family. And if you are openly rebellious against God and unrepentant after people have, have lovingly and gently kind of come alongside you, and tried to help you, um, then you can't be a part of this faith family that says, you're com that says together we're committed to following Jesus. Okay, and so um, here's what I think about membership. Membership is a, is a human word. It's a man-made word. We don't get it from the Bible, okay? But it's a word we use to summarize what we think the Bible's teaching about our relationship together. We belong. We belong to each other. We're committed to each other. We have responsibility to each other in our relationship with God. And without us belonging to each other, we are not what God says he's made us to be. 
All right, and so that's how I think membership is legit, even though there's not a verse, even though membership is not a word that, that's, that you're gonna find in the Greek in the New Testament. But the idea of belonging, being accountable to each other, being seen by God as we, together, in this faith family, having a structure where we're an organism, we're the body of Christ, but we are also an organization in which we're committed to each other's growth and to impact the community around us, that's all there. And so I think membership is a legit idea. You can call it something else. We have classes called belonging, belong, okay? In which if you wanna be part of this faith family, we ask you to go to it because we say, okay, here's what we believe, here's what we're going after. Are you in? And uh, okay, let's, let's do this together. And so I think God's saying, yeah, you are, um, as a follower of Jesus, you were not meant to go alone. You are meant to, go, to do this in a community. And I'm going to transform you within this community. I'm using your faith family to make you more like me. And I'm going to use you to help other people become more like me. Okay, and so we, we're doing this together. Now, as I was looking at this this week, um, I just feel like I gotta say something as, as we're talking about ideas like submission and obeying and being part of faith family is, um, I just wanna say a couple words about spiritual abuse because it's real and maybe some of you in here have experienced it and it's painful. Maybe you have friends who have and we're seeing examples of it. Um, we're reading about it in the church community in the United States. Spiritual abuse is when a spiritual leader uses their authority in a way that's harmful to other people. Um, it, it's psychological, it's emotional, it's manipulative, it can be bullying but um, it is not protecting the body of Christ. In fact, the Bible gives us this whole accountability structure, which is not, okay, the spiritual leaders figure out who needs, they need to hold accountable. It's, it's the body of Christ holds each other accountable. You need to hold me accountable. I am not gonna be the person God wants me to be if you let me get away with um, something that's not honoring to him. I need accountability from you, and we need it from from each other, and God says, um, I put you together in the family and I wanna protect you from wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay, it's, there are people who will say the right things and then weaponize their spiritual authority. And uh, I just want it on your radar. Um, in, I can give you a clue about how this sometimes happens. Um, if, you, if you're in ministry, which you are, as a follower of Jesus, you have a responsibility to help people around you. And as you do that, you'll invest and sacrifice yourself on behalf of somebody else. And maybe God uses you to help them in their spiritual journey. And then one day, they just, they vanish. They, they're just no longer in your life. They say, thank you, I'm moving on, and you get hurt. Or they betray you, and you get hurt. And um, I guarantee it's gonna happen, because we're people, and we're, and we're working with other people, and we're messy, and we get hurt. 
Sometimes spiritual leaders, after getting hurt, getting hurt several times, they start drifting into isolation. They start saying, okay, I'm going to pick very carefully who I'm, who I'm going to open myself up to, who I'm going to invest in, because I'm going to get burnt, and I don't want to do that anymore. And they can drift into isolation to where maybe the only people that know them are their family. And then they're continuing in ministry, not being really known, and not really deeply knowing anybody else. But maybe they're gifted. Maybe they're really a gifted communicator or, or, or have success in some way in ministry. And uh, man, that is just, that's danger, danger, danger. Because then they will get some props. And then without having real friends, my dad used to tell this joke. He says, like, you know, one day he was teaching. And on the way home, he just felt really good about his teaching, his Bible teaching. He's, he said, hey, Margie, my mom, hey, Margie, uh, you know, I wonder how many great teachers there are in the world. And mom said, one less than you think. Um, <laughs> but we need each other to be real. You know, and without that, in isolation, if... Um, you think God is using you, and he may be, but man, you can get, start getting a distorted picture of yourself, about your importance to God, and about your importance of um, how you can influence people. And then you can start teaching your preferences like they were the truth from God. And we turn non-essentials into essentials. A real follower of Jesus, somebody who's really committed to him, this is how you're going to respond to the pandemic. This is how you're going to respond to vaccinations. This is how you're going to respond to mass. And teaching it like thus saith the Lord. Jesus is the son of God, and you should never wear a mask. It's like, what? What? And you start using misusing your authority in ways that says if you're loyal to me as your leader you're supposed to obey your leaders then you need to follow me in these areas that I, i'm not admitting are not biblical but i'm thinking this is what i think's right and this is what i want you to do and it's abusive and it's wrong and it weaponizes spiritual authority and um, if you ever see that happen here um, man, you have every right to talk to me or whoever that, that person is that you think are misusing their spiritual authority. And if you get straight-armed, then get somebody else to see the same thing and go. And, and then go to the leadership. And, um, and ultimately, if it's here or someplace else and you're thinking there's a culture of spiritual authority or uh, uh, spiritual abuse here, then leave. You do not have to stay in an unhealthy culture where you are being hurt by the misappropriation of spiritual authority. All right. Um, I just want that on your radar. We are responsible to each other. And if you have a friend who's in that situation, man, encourage him. You don't have to stay in, the situa in that situation. The accountability that God says that needs to happen in the church needs to stop this. All right. Um, I want to give you good news about being part of a church. 
Uh, here's the beauty of being a member, of belonging to a faith family. And I'll speak to you from, from my heart. There is, dang it. There is um, no group of people on earth that has a bigger impact on my spiritual life than you. Nobody is God using, no, there's no one else, no other group of people, no other pastors no, that God is using more in my life to transform me to be more like him than you. Because when I hear, we, start, we talk and you tell me about your journey and, and what God's been teaching you, um, I am so in because I know we're coming from the same place. I, I know, I mean, the main thing, we are, we are right aligned on the main things. And so as you start talking about your journey with God, I am listening because Maybe you're seeing a part of God that I'm not seeing clearly. Maybe you're seeing yourself in a way that it's like, oh my goodness, I need to hear that. And even when I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm seeing it like you're seeing it, I, I, will, I will extend um, like a spirit of charity. And I will ask questions and I'll keep listening because I, I know who you are and I know that We've both heard this. We've both heard we're loved by God and we're forgiven. And we've tasted the grace of God. And, uh, and I want to learn from you. And I have. And that's a picture of the family of God. That, that's a picture of belonging to a faith family. Is that, man, we journey together and we learn from each other. And we learn from each other's pain. And we learn from each other's victories. And we cheer each, other's on, each other on. And then we step in to each other's lives when it's like, I'm not doing well. And you're seeing it. And, and that's the beauty of the family of God. Yeah, every member, and a member is a follower of Jesus, is meant to belong in a faith family. Every member's a minister. Am I a minister? Well, you're a minister, Bill, because you get paid. You know, so God maybe likes you a little more because you've given yourself full time to ministry. And, uh, you know, that just makes me want to puke. <laughs> it really does. Because you are a full time minister as much as I am a full time minister. It, 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 God doesn't look at me and think, oh, I like him more than that person who is a salesperson or an architect or a fireman or whatever. But we're a child of his, and as a result, he says, you're mine, and I want the gospel of Jesus to transform your life, and I want it to be so impactful that you can't wait to influence others in that. And that's the life of ministry. We are ministers. Um, 1 Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And that's a picture of the temple. That's saying, you know, in the Old Testament, they had a temple. Why did they have a temple? Because they, they, had, they just knew that they were disconnected from God. 
I mean, we are, we are people, we are humans, we are, uh, you know, our bodies are temporary. Um, we are flawed in your God. The divine, the divine is great and we're not. There's a chasm. There's a, there's a, a separation from us and God. We just intuitively know what right do I have to walk into the presence of God? And so in the Old Testament and in many other religions, they made temples. Why? Because we need to make a way to bridge that chasm. And so in the Old Testament, you look at um, the children of Israel were a nation that was a theocracy. It was the only nation that ever existed as a theocracy and, and, and only one that ever has existed. And they were to listen to God. And God says, I'm going to use um, people in certain roles um, to make this happen and to grow you up as my followers and to make me known in the world and to keep, me, and keep you aligned to who I am. And so he had prophets and priests and kings. Prophets were people who um, represented God to the people. Okay, so prophets had to proclaim truth to the people. They proclaimed truth from God. Priests um, went to God on behalf of people. And so priests did sacrifices and gave offerings to God in order to deal with this chasm, this separation, and to say, we know we are not God. We are not deserving. We don't earn your love, but we do own the stuff in our life that separates us from you, and so we sacrifice it so we can be forgiven. So that's priests, okay? Prophets went from God to the people. Priests went from the people to God. And then kings were to say, okay, I am to hold you accountable. This is, I, I need to lead you in following God. As a nation, this is how that's to look. So prophets, priests, and kings. Now, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Mind-blowing verse, if you understand those three roles in the nation of Israel and their connection to following God. And now he's saying, you're followers of me in the New Testament, and I'm building this church. Now listen to this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Royal, that's kingly. Priests, okay? A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. In this one verse, Jesus is saying that you as a follower of mine are now a prophet, a priest, and a king. Under, I give you authority to proclaim my truth to others. I give you authority to come alongside others and help guide them in following me. I give you authority to pray for those who are walking away from me, that they would recognize they need forgiveness. That's who you are. That's who you are. Follower of Jesus, yes. Minister, yes. You, you as a follower of Jesus have been given the authority of God to be his prophet, his priest, and his king. Wow. Is, do you see yourself that way? It's like, no, I sell shoes. It's like, no, no. I mean, that's what you do to make some money. 
but you are a full-time minister of God. Um, Paul, maybe the, the most influential person outside of Jesus in the New Testament, the greatest evangelist in the New Testament, the person who was used by God to spread the good news of Jesus and implant churches all throughout Asia and Europe. In Acts chapter 18, I believe, he's in um, Corinth. Corinth was kind of, you know, Corinth was Vegas, okay, in this day. And um, he, he was talking to the church there. And then people start following Jesus, and he, he hangs out with Priscilla and Aquila. And he says, and it says that he hung out with them because they were tent makers just like he was. Paul had a day job. What was his life about? Following Jesus and making him known. You are a follower of Jesus, and many of you with a day job. And God's saying, no, you are my prophet, priest, and king. You, you, you are my person. I want to give, I want to give the, the message of hope and grace through to people around you. I want to reach people through you. I want to grow people up in their spiritual journey to, look, to think, love, and live more like me, and I'm going to use you in that. Man, you're a full-time minister of God. That's, what God. that's who God says you are. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing yourself that way? It's transformative. Then he says in first, uh, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, this is Paul talking, and he's, and he's talking about the fact that he's single. And he's saying, yeah, it's a gift I think God's given me. And he's saying, I, I wish all of you were like me. In other words, you know, you're unencumbered. Um, you didn't have all these other responsibilities. And Paul's saying, I wish you were all like me, but each of you has given, been given your own gift from God. It means God has specifically gifted you. Okay? Different than me, different than the person next to you. And one has this gift, and another has that gift. And he's saying, he's saying, you have been uniquely created by God to be part of this, this family that together God wants to grow up and to make him known. And so if your mindset is, I'm a part of a church and that's in, intake. It's all about what, what do I get from my church? Is, do I like the teaching? Do I like the worship? Is it good for my kids? It's all about what is it doing for me? He's saying you're missing the picture here because it's true. Those things are important and that's part of it. But what's also true, if you're in intake mode and not, I have a responsibility to minister to the people around me, then this faith family will never be what God wants it to be. Because we need you. God has not only called you to be his followers, but says, as such, I've gifted you. And I've given you life experiences that are unique to you, that there's some people that only you will be able to impact. There's some people I put you in proximity of that only you will be able to hold their hand when they're going through pain. You have a unique ministry thumbprint that I don't have. And God's saying together, collectively, if we're 
following him and owning our ministry, we will be something that only he can do. And without my participation, without your participation in that, um, you're hurt, we're hurt as a, as a faith family, and our community is hurt. And so God is painting a picture that that's maybe it's a little mind-blowing for you. But this is who God says you are. You are a loved child of his. You are forgiven. You've experienced his grace. And you've been transformed in that grace to extend it to other people. So here's a couple thoughts. Um, maybe you're on the road a lot. You are God's representative on the road. Maybe the next business trip, ask God for you that he would help you see it as a mission strip. God, who are you going to bring into my life that I can encourage? That I can just go deeper in a conversation with? I mean, how does my life need to look so that I reflect you? What do I need to stay away from? Maybe you need to be a better, you need to be a ministry-minded cubicle partner. Uh, maybe your cubicle partner tells you some news that are, that's really disturbing and hurt, hurtful to them. And maybe it's like this is an opportunity to listen and care about this person. Hey, you, you, I think you know I go to church. Um, I want you to know that every day this week I'm going to be praying for you. Is that okay with you? Maybe you're part of a, a Bible study. And you know, you like Bible study because it's good. It, it gives you more information. Learn more about God. Learn more about yourself. And now you need to think, no, this, this is intake. I need, to, I need to give too. So who, who in, your, in your small group can you get to know more? And I tell you, as you get to know people, you're going to find out their, their story, their spiritual journey. You're going to find somebody who's not as far along as you are. And so maybe ask questions like, what's the biggest struggle right now in your whole faith journey? What do you have a hard time believing? You know, what are the questions that nag at you and you haven't really been able to answer? Let's do a top five list. Let's make a top five list. And if you're willing, let, let's, let's have coffee once a week and we'll tackle one of those questions together. I mean, you've been created and gifted by God to be used by him to impact the lives of other people. That's who God says you are. Are you willing to own that? To believe it? To trust him? I'm going to ask uh, you to consider doing one thing with me. And that is, um, I wrote a prayer that affirms what we just studied about. And so in a second, I'm gonna have us all stand up and uh, I am the, I, I'm not shaming anybody into saying this prayer. And so if you're not in, I, you know, I mean, I'm so glad that you're not feeling forced to pray if you're not believing it. But if this is challenging you on seeing yourself the way God sees you and you recognize your life is full-time ministry for him. 
Um, then in a second, we're going to stand and we're going to read this prayer together. Okay? And so let's have everybody stand, and you don't have to read it out loud if you're not into it. But if you are, um, let, let's, let's pray this prayer, believing, and that's, I think it's going to come up there. This is what I forgot to give them first gathering. Is it coming? Yes! Thank you. All right. And let's pray this to God together if um, this is reflective of the desire of your heart. God, today from this day forward, I commit to doing my work for your glory, your kingdom, and your will. Not for me, Lord Jesus, but only for you. Bless my work so that I may bring people to you by your Holy Spirit, not by my strength. I need your help. Amen. God, I pray for each person here that in their journey to you, if uh, you've been challenging their heart today, I, I pray that this week, even as they start embracing this mindset that they are your representative in the world, you, your king, your priest, your prophet, to um, influence others to know you and the hope that you bring, if they take a step of trusting you and living out who you say they are, would you just bless them? Would you allow them to see them encourage and embolden people around them because they're willing to take initiative and care for the people around them? Father, I just uh, lift this faith family into your hands and ask you to keep growing us up to be more like you and use each one of us in that process as you promised. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.